Monday, man. Yeah, that Super Bowl Monday that everyone wants to make into a holiday. I don't think it's a terrible idea. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I mean, it. I, I'm with you. It's not a terrible idea. I think Doesn't it's one me. of those things, though, where it seems like a much more important idea, probably uh, back on the East Coast. Yeah. Because, like... I game was over at, at your, 8, yeah. Yeah, I stayed at your house until, like, the game was over, said goodbyes, didn't, like, really rush out the door, but didn't, like didn't hang out long after the game either but still i was home by like 8 30 8 40 yeah it's really not that bad but yeah if you were on the east coast man yeah throw an extra three hours onto that and yeah no getting up in the morning would have been rough yeah. especially if you were in philly you know like after turning cars over and burning buildings <laughs> and stuff you know like that's that's exhausting work like you need to sleep it in is. after rioting it is hopefully it was a really high protein super bowl for you you know uh <laughs> All right, let's hit an intro and jump into it. Welcome to the podcast, Blue Collar Scholars. Not long ago, a group of brilliant minds met together at a pub to discuss their unfinished works. They recognized the value of coming together around delicious beverages and having meaningful conversations. That group was known as the Inklings. The Inkle Do podcast here, we're working to be the second iteration of that group. So pour yourself a craft beverage, pull up a chair, and join the conversation. All right, so we know that we've had something new because we had an event, which was the Super Bowl, and you brought something new for us to try. So that's so we I, have something. I did. Um, and so the the one that I had first was the uh, the Marzen, the Atom Smasher. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Do you remember what brewery that was from? Um, motherless goat. It was no, a, no, not them. No, no. Uh, <laughs> crap. Uh, I want to say it was like two brothers or something like that. Or it was that like, sounds right because I know the other one was Thorn. Uh, was from Thorn Brewing. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it is. It's two brothers brewing. There we go. Perfect. Well done. Um, but yeah, so I had that one, uh, and I, I liked it a lot, actually. Um, it didn't, so the packaging on it and everything made it look like a, a fest beer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that the white and blue checker kind of in the exactly. background. Yeah, which was nice, and uh, it didn't taste, though, like most of those styles of beers that I mm-hmm. get. You know, you know, it had a lot more... Um, it's not uncommon for them to be a little bit hoppy, but this one had a lot more of that kind of like resin mouthfeel to mm-hmm. it, especially on the finish. Um, that was kind of more reminiscent of an IPA, but flavor profile wise, it didn't actually like, it didn't taste like an IPA. It was, I don't know. It, it was good. I liked it. Right. But yeah, it was, it felt like it was kind of in between two styles to a certain extent. Yeah, you know what it made me think of was uh, Throne back when they did a Marzen, and it was like you could tell that they used the same hops like in all of their beers there for a little while. Like, because like there was right. a point which he didn't have a top brewer, like he was just kind of doing the best he could, and you could tell like he was just doing like he knew enough about brewing, but wasn't like an artisanal brewer or something. And you could yeah. tell the hop profile and everything, and you were like, oh, this just has like sweet malt at the beginning and then it's the exact same hop flavor and then oh this has like yellow barley flavor and then the same hop flavor and you're like yeah 
it had that thing where it was like super kind of syrupy sweet up front. And then like on the back end, it was like resiny hop on the, on the back. Yeah. So like it was, it was different. It was, yeah. If you told me that it was a fest beer, I'd have been like, this is not a normal fest beer, but it, we're well outside of fest season. So it was really just yeah. a Mars and style that was a little hoppier than, than you would expect. Yeah, I would say if if I had a complaint about it, and I, I do have just this one complaint about it, really, was that um, so a lot of times you'll talk about how these two different flavors kind of balance, but they really didn't. Mm-hmm. It was basically just two separate drinks. This, then that, yeah. Exactly. And so um, that lack of kind of harmony in it is probably the only thing that would keep it from being a lockdown. Yes, I'm going to go looking for that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still not one I'm going to be like, oh, nope, not having that. But it's not what I'm going to go on the hunt for. Yeah. Um, because yeah. there isn't that kind of uh, complementarity or harmony in the flavors yeah. on it. I I agree with that. I think that's I think that's a fair assessment. Like, it's not bad at all. And, like, um, you know, like, I didn't send the rest of them home with you, so I'm not crying about it. <laughs> but, you know, like, uh, but, yeah, I, I agree. Like, I find that with Marzen's the or the the sweet beers, it's really hard to blend them. Like you really have to be like, I'm gonna have a sweet beer and do something in addition to it, or I'm gonna have a really bitter beer and do something additional to it. You know, like I'm gonna have an IPA, and then I'm gonna add some citrus to it to like balance and blend these things. But like doing like the super sweet and then like adding extra hops like that doesn't seem to be like the right way to balance it for me like i i would be like oh i'm gonna add cinnamon to this marzen i'd be like oh well that is something that complement you like it you're keeping like the hop profile probably similar to a marzen but then you're adding something that would complement the flavor profile something like that so it's i i agree but it's definitely like you said not bad at all um not not crying over having two or three left in the refrigerator or whatever whatever is yeah. there. So yeah, that'll be good. Right on. And I'm almost I'm not even gonna talk about the second one because I fully anticipate that I'm not gonna have anything to talk about. So like I'm like gonna keep one in my pocket. Okay. Until All next right. week. I was, gotcha. <laughs> Fair enough, man. You know, refresh it. Have one more of them because th- those are still in your fridge too. Refresh it between now and Monday. I like it. You know what? I I respect the planning. Yes, you know. <laughs> well, I just can't go three weeks in a row without having something to talk about. Like, I mean, like the delicious beverages is kind of a big part of what we do here. And it is. I haven't had any of that, so it's. Ah, <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, all right. So it looks like I was going to ask, like, we if we were wrapping up Silmarillion, but it's but doesn't look like not quite yet. It looks like we're going to do at least one more. I think. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking one more, um, probably, uh, depending on the extent to which we nerd out on yeah, either yeah. this one or next one. It might spill off into one other one. Yeah, <laughs> Who yeah. knows? I hear I'm, that. I'm not promising restraint. Yeah, but... and I'm not apologizing for it either. Yeah, not no. not even a not even a little bit. Uh, but so we are still digging into Silmarillion, which has just been a joy to read. I think where am I at now? I think I have. I just finished uh, the Doom of Numenor. Oh, so uh, now I think I think I'm in like the last little piece of the Silmarillion, which is like the 
the rings of power or something like that. It's like a 15 yeah. pages. It looks like. So I'm actually kind of excited about that. It's interesting to see because like, if you just jumped in the Lord of the Rings, like all you had was that Sauron is this big, bad guy who turned into a floating eyeball. And you're like, that, well, that's, I mean, I get it. I, okay. So, no, I so don't that get part it. technically is the movie's fault. Yes. Uh, he didn't turn into the, like <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a lot that happens in between there. It, it, it's, it's described as like feeling as if a flaming eye was was watching, and that like that's the symbol on the armor. Mm-hmm. But it was the movie's decision, and Peter Jackson, you know, credit to him, like he did a really good job with him. But yeah, no, that he's the one who decided to have the floating lidless eye, just sort of like scanning the horizon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he got a little bit more literal with Tolkien than the, than the description right. necessarily suggests. That's but. fair. But yeah, it was hard when I read, you know, the eye of Sauron saw everything. I couldn't help but picture this giant flaming eyeball. Yeah, like floating around. But so anyway, it, it's it's still I'm still gushing over it. I still really am really loving it. And I thought as I was coming towards the end, like it was going to start to wrap up. But it doesn't. It just kind of. It maintains this cycle, and I thought the new, you know, as we got into the Dunedine, because I know, because I've seen Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. right? So I kind of know how that comes full circle. I was like, oh, well, I'm going to see how this is going to, we're going to start getting into the fluffy, um, you know, happy ending kind of stuff coming up here. But that's not how it goes. Like, not even a little bit. Yeah. And I was super surprised by that, and... So, like, I thought that the th- the major theme of, of greed that had been running through all of it with the Silmaril, right? Like, like, Feanor, 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 Feanor made the Silmaril. Like, everybody wanted it. They're all fighting over it. I mean, they kill each other for it. Like, all of these things is, like, there's this theme of greed that runs through it. I was like, oh, Silmaril's gone. Everybody's dead. They're all living on an island. It's over, right? Like, that's kind of gone. But then guess what? It starts all over again. I'm like this uh-huh. cycle. And it's all around. It is really about greed. It's really interesting and in how like nobody can have something great without it poisoning the heart of someone else. I think, you know, um, that is sort of how it plays out. But I still think at the same time, I think the the problem with greed is that it is uh, kind of already this... It's not the nice thing that someone else has. Like, the greed is kind of sitting there waiting for there to be something nice to lust after. Mm. Um, because ultimately, the people who are consumed by this greed, uh, it it is fairly consistently a desire for more. Yeah. Um, you know, which I mean, not exactly a shocking definition of greed, I suppose, is that it left my mouth. And I was like, you know, I, I'm i glad for the most part, this is just an audio medium. So someone couldn't see my incredibly smug and pretentious looking face as I defined greed as being greedy. But um, but no, like it, it goes back all the way to this idea in like Morgoth or Melkor in the song of creation that we had already talked about. But this idea of it's not enough that my voice is good and is featured in this part of the song. It should be all of it. 
I should be the one making the music. Mm -hmm. So it's this desire for the extra power. Um, The Selmerils, I mean, they were always precious and always Mm -hmm. desired these incredible crafts. But it's not until, you know, Melkor again (laughs) decides, wow, there's these really incredibly beautiful trees with light. I hate that. <laughs> if if I can't have it, no one will. And so right. we get Ungoliant, the the spider, which is the source of all heebity jeebities, uh, <laughs> coming in and like poisoning and killing them. And now the only light that's left from those trees is in the the gems. Mm-hmm. And you know the the Valar point out to Feanor, hey. You did incredible work, but that's like literally the only light left from those things that, you know, we created. It would be awesome if you would give those back. And he doesn't just say no. Yeah. He says no. And the very fact that you have asked me, how dare you try and reclaim these things, which they didn't try and reclaim. um, But like just completely goes off. Mm hmm. And then the entire quest for it afterwards. It's all about this idea of um, the need to possess, the need to control. Yeah. That that's there, and they just kind of become, you know, MacGuffins. The mm-hmm. the items that they don't really serve any particular purpose, as they are other than being incredibly beautiful. Yeah, they're just and they just become the lust. token. Yeah, they're just the token, the thing to claim. You know. Um, and you want it just so that you can make sure other people don't have it. Yeah. Yeah, it's I was thinking about it today and and you know, I don't know if it's true like correctly attributed or not, but every time, you know, like the trope around Lord of the Rings is, you know, the power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mhm. But you know like and you're like, okay, that's cool. Makes sense in the in the realm of this stuff, but like if you look at the thing that is granting the power it itself does not have any power. <laughs> right. You know, like the Silmaril has light in it, so it's precious. But it, it's not like making people like super strong or granting wishes. Like it's not magical. Like it, it, it's it's just pretty, you know. And like even like the ring of power itself, like there is more to that one at least. Like that one was mm-hmm. crafted with intention, but it was like it, – like, in general, it doesn't just give everybody what they want. Like, like it's really just a thing, and you want it. Like, I, I don't know. I just thought it was really weird the way that we were talking about power and that it's just like, yeah, but what do you get if you go after the Silmaril? Uh, like, you get a rock that everybody else wants. And so I guess that is power in that mm-hmm. you possess the thing that everybody wants, and so everyone's looking at you. But, like, you're not then stronger than them. Like they can just take it from you the way that you took it from someone else type of a thing. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, so there is for one thing, I think one of the things that's kind of cool about the Selmarils is that it does stress the idea that it really hammers home the importance that like being beautiful is valuable in and of itself. Mm, yeah. You know, uh, so that there mm-hmm. is that, mm-hmm. um, but in addition with the Silmarils, I mean, like, so one of them ends up being like a star in the sky, mm-hmm. you know, like, so it's not like a, a small light that's radiating from it. It right. is a powerful light, but you're right. It's not something that 
Uh, but the light can't be used by then. Right. It can, it can like burn. So like Morgoth makes that crown with yep. the Selmarils and gives him a, a wonderful burn mark on his head. But again, like there's that kind of proves the point. Their power isn't a power to be possessed. Right. It's a power to be like used and shared. And all attempts to have and hold and keep that power ultimately just do damage. Like the entire story of the Silmarils is the story of how really you would be better off not having one. Like mm-hmm. the the best ending for someone who has a Silmaril is that he is separated from his family and his people for all of eternity, sailing in a vessel across the sky uh, with the Silmaril. That's that's the happy ending. You know, everyone yeah. else, it's like <laughs> death, destruction, yeah, uh, decades of torture and torment. Uh, and it always breaks them, man. Like they're mm-hmm. all of the good ones. The like you'd be like, oh, it fell into the hands of uh, of. There's a Th King, the one that um, the, uh, the dwarves killed. Thongil. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so, right? And then like eventually, even that it corrupts him. Like it, it mm-hmm. just like as soon as he's around it, it starts to poison him, and then he treats the dwarves badly. And then guess what? They're all dead. Yeah, you know. And the only ones, the only ones who it doesn't have a massive negative impact on, you know. So like you look at Baron and Luthien, mm-hmm. because they didn't want him. Like that, that's mm. why they were able to take them. And like, ultimately, you know, again, it's still uh, going back to a couple podcasts ago when you were talking about that uh, connection between valor and um, tragedy, tragedy. There we go. I was going to say torture and that's part of the story, too, but not what I wanted to <laughs> emphasize. Yeah. No, that that link between valor and tragedy, this idea of, yeah, no, it's a tragic story. Mm-hmm. But still, ultimately, a good and beautiful story. And their love wins. Mm-hmm. And they're like the only ones really to handle the Silmarils without it causing absolute devastation. Right. Because, again, the entire purpose is to get this and give it to someone else. Right. Like, I don't I don't have any desire for this. This this trinket means nothing to me other than it is the path to my love. Yeah. Mm. That's well said. That's that's interesting that it's and she wears it for a long time, you know, mm-hmm. and but like she was viewed as like the most beautiful already. So it was just one of those things where it was just like light on light is just a more light like it's fine. But it wasn't it wasn't the thing. It wasn't like she was ugly and she wanted the Silmaril to then be pretty like it, right. she didn't desire it. He didn't desire it for her. It was just something that, again, hey, I think you're pretty I'm here's a gift. Your dad said that we can only hang out if I do this thing. Yeah. So I went ahead and took on the original Dark Lord, and here we go. <laughs> and here we go. Like, I mean, it, but again, it is, and I think that's, I think it's this really cool kind of parallel and clarification on what's wrong with greed. Because what's wrong with greed isn't the desire for a thing in and of itself. It's the, it's the possessiveness to it. Mm -hmm. It is the, 
it's the dragon hoarding the treasure that we see later on in the stories. Right. You know, it's this idea of, yeah, gold is not an evil thing. It can be used for a lot of incredible things, in fact. Mm -hmm. But once it becomes purely about the collecting and the hoarding, now there's an evil there. And the same with the Selmarils. The Selmarils were not a threat so long as they were just appreciated for fine works of craft uh, and objects of incredible beauty that were admired. Right. It's once it becomes, uh, once there becomes this view of I need to keep, protect, and hide these things from others, that's where you see everything start to spiral. Yeah. Because it's no longer about appreciating the beauty that's there. It's about possessing. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I got a fun comparison, but like it's. I was thinking of that again. It's the desire for something, the desire to want something, which kind of attributes an additional privilege to the thing. And one of my favorite movies is Kingdom of Heaven, right? Mm. Like, not by Orlando Bloom's benefit by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> right? But the movie as a whole. Sands the like Hollywood ending because Hollywood has to crap on everything, but like as a whole, one of my favorite movies, right? And that the, you know they're fighting over Jerusalem, like to the bloody end, and then mm-hmm. at the end he asks the Muslim leader, you know, like what is Jerusalem really worth? And he goes nothing, you know. And then he takes a couple of steps, turns and walks away, and you're like, really? And he turns around and he says but it's also worth everything. And you're like, Mm. Hmm, that's interesting because like Jerusalem from in that movie's perspective, like resources. No, not really. You know, like why, why did the Muslims want it? Why did the Christians want it? Why did, you know, like just because it was, there was no real benefit to it other than that. There was, there was meaning to it. Like Christ was crucified there or not there, but like maybe there, yeah. But, uh, you know, like, so there's a desire to want to possess it. And then, you know, there's, so there's a meaning from the Muslim side too. And they had this desire to want to possess it. And that's what led to this raging, terrible war. But the thing itself didn't have value. You know, like Christ was no longer there, you know, like yeah. you're not getting him by possessing Jerusalem, you know, um, and, and so, like, I, I think that's an interesting comparison for me in my brain because it was just, it's that that desire. And, you know, like, my the thought is, is in that movie, it's a, I love that movie. Brendan Gleeson's character is deliciously evil. But him, they're trying to start a war. And so, like, how many terrible things did they do in the name of God trying to do something good? Because they set the ownership of the possession of Jerusalem as like the ultimate good. Like mm-hmm. that was their life's mission and they were willing to do anything for it. You know, and so then, and you're looking at the Silmarillion, like there were some people who did some terrible things in order to get that thing which was desired by everybody. So, you know, like how many people have done terrible things or awful things for the sake of possessing the thing that is viewed as good, right? Does that justify the means, the possession of the good thing justify the means that you got there? 
To which the answer is, has to be no. As always, no. And, right, right, right. And, it, and it's because what you've done is you have moved from love to lust. Mm-hmm. Like when you're when they're looking at the Silmarils, when they're thinking about the importance, the historical significance of Jerusalem, um, when you're just admiring those things, that's the response of love, where it's focused on the thing and appreciating its goodness. Once it becomes greed and lust and that desire for possession, now it's about how can this thing elevate me Serve instead me. of the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, why does Morgoth want the Silmarils? Because this is a light which is good. And he desires to be in charge of all things that are coming out of Arda. This came out of Arda through the work of the Valar. He and he alone is left who is worthy to possess it. And so he will have it and he will fashion a crown for it even as it burns his dome. Yeah. Because it will promote his glory. It's for him. Uh, Feanor, out of his desire to be uh, recognized for the gift of his craft and for his skill and all of these things, he wants them because they're mine. Others should be coming to me bringing tribute, bringing honor, bringing worship for what I have been able to make. Mm. And so it is, it's this, it's this complete loss of perspective where it has become, instead of love, this good thing which desires the good of the beloved, it's now become a lust and it is purely, you know, and it's weird to use the word objectifying when we're talking about a shiny stone. It is an object. <laughs> which is an object. <laughs> but, like, it, it's, it is inherently diminishing the dignity of the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Because of that, it becomes a thing that's motivated by fear, by jealousy, by envy, and it spirals. The corruption spirals. Yeah. Because, you know, when you take uh, Jerusalem, this city, which is a holy city for three massive, major, important religions, and when one group decides we will hold it and it will belong to us and it will be how we envision it ought to be. It's not like the others come actually to liberate it. There are probably some who would like to liberate it and allow Jerusalem to be Jerusalem. But instead, the people who tend to be most motivated are the ones who are like, no, you can't make Jerusalem in your image. We will make it in ours. You know? And so this the the pain of loss from having to go without this thing which is valued and good and beautiful inspires more greed and possessiveness like see clearly they can't be trusted with it give it to me and i will do i will deal with it properly yeah i like what you said there about how it it kind of spirals uh, and that you know the one the one switch as soon as you go from from appreciation to greed, that like little switch, and then the sp- downward spiral that happens after it. And I'm thinking of again, since I just finished the Doom of Numenor, right? Like again, the gift of man and the gift of the elves of the firstborn is something that everybody thought was a, a they were gifts, right? Not mm-hmm. everybody understood them, but 
the Numenorean kings looked at the gift of the elves and said, no, no, I should have that because I should be a king everlasting and I should be this and I should have that. And you're like, oh, okay, so they're greedy in it. But it doesn't just like, they're not just greedy and they start killing each other again. Like they have Sauron like burning people on temples and like, like they go, they go way off the deep end, man. Like they, oh, yeah. they do like, they start off as the very best and they end up being the very worst. And it's all just because they wanted the gift that someone else had, couldn't appreciate their own, wanted that one and, and couldn't, couldn't do anything. And then the, just the spiral and they just kept going down. Well, and again, like it, it's, there is a, a real truth to the idea that those who are the highest fall the furthest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because the the power is the same, like the the amount of power, the level of ability is the same, regardless of what it's directed to. And so when it's directed to the highest things, to the good, to like fulfilling their role perfectly, the things they are able to accomplish fulfilling their role perfectly is like levels beyond what others can. Mm-hmm. However, when they turn that same power to from again from like a love and appreciation for the gifts that were given them to instead a lust after those things which can't be theirs then yeah the desperation and the harm that they're able to break out upon the world is equally extreme yeah or the people that they would turn to to try to yeah. get that right which they turn to mm-hmm. Sauron bad decision <laughs> you know, but like you, you get desperate and you're willing to hear the things that people are, or that, you know, evil is willing to tell you type of yeah, a thing. Well, and again, because the timeline, you know, Sauron has no real limit to his time mm-hmm. and the Numenorean Kings live for so long that again, it's that thing we've talked about in the past where the goal of evil isn't to turn you 180 degrees. Yep. It's to turn you a degree, let you walk a little while, turn you a degree, let you walk a little while, yep. and eventually they'll get you where they want you to get. Yep. Yep. Yeah, after a while, yeah. After long enough, you'll make a 180. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I'm boiling this down into life lessons. Like, just, again, we've talked about greed before, but again, in the Silmarillion, like, the theme of greed just – it. it cycles over and over and it's in so many unique ways and diverse ways and ultimately i think i just kind of said it in passing and it spiked it in my brain and i was like you know what it's really about uh, i guess the answer to greed is being satisfied with you with what you have but still figuring out how to strive for something great like it's and it's really hard because like at the beginning of the summer really, and you find them you see that they they're given this kind of ore this rock of earth and they don't just be like oh it, here it is and they just walk around it no they like they get to work they love it but then they work it and make it better and make it better they're striving for the for greatness of it but it's for the good and not for their own possession and so it's it's about you know loving the thing that you have loving what you have, but striving to make it the most 
beautiful, the most good that you can type of a thing. And, and I think that's the answer to greed. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I really like that. And I think the direction I was kind of going to go is similar, but a little bit different. But like just that, the importance of appreciation mm. as like the starting point for it. Because like you said, you know, that that's what they had is they appreciated that they were given this incredible thing. And out of their appreciation for it, it became how do we make it known to everyone how incredible this gift we've been given is. And they lose the appreciation as the story goes on because it's no longer about appreciating the gift. It's about um, ownership. It's about possessiveness. Mm -hmm. And again, ultimately, it's about how can this bring me glory? How can I be appreciated rather than do the appreciating? Yeah. And that it's such an easy step to take where that those two different types of pride, like that's that's that feeling of satisfaction and completion when a thing has gone well, that's a healthy sense of pride, but it is really, really easy to start at that spot and then have it become like a boastful sense of your own greatness. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the harmful negative sense of pride where it becomes about your glory. And so finding that sense of appreciation of recognizing the giftedness, the things that have been given to you are recognizing their value um, mm. and making sure that you are the one in service, not the one being served. You know, bringing it back to the the line from Jesus, like, why did the son of man come to serve, not to be served? Like, if anyone had the right to claim it, it's him. Right. And instead, nah. Yeah. This is how I will show my glory is by serving you. Yeah. I like that a lot. And, And I think we, in our kind of current culture, I think that strikes a chord because we're watching everybody do all these things on social media and we're wanting what they have. And I'm I'm 100% victim of this and and or culprit of this, not victim. Yeah. And like you'll see somebody be like, "Oh, that looks awesome! I want to be that too." And you're like, "Well, that's not your call, man. And if you had that, you would not be happy. Like they are happy because they are in their call, not yours. You know, type of a thing. And so like, you gotta learn to appreciate what you have, what you are, because God made it. You like, it's good. Like." Don't envy whatever other people have, you know? Absolutely. And also kind of like tied in with that when you're posting, like don't worry about making it a perfect post. Like you you don't have to craft the post, like post the reality instead of it being like, Oh, look at how incredible my life is. Don't you wish you had this? Like, so both sides of the social media mm. experience can be like guilty of it. Yeah. yeah. This idea of, you know, actually I'm miserable. Let me go ahead and use a stock photo from this same spot that I'm in from when it was sunny as opposed to the rainy day I've got. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just like being appreciative to a certain extent, it's almost a matter of being less intentional about things mm-hmm. like yeah, just I get appreciate you. it. Be mm. in the moment. Enjoy it share it 
celebrate it, and then get ready to celebrate and appreciate the next one. And then go to the next, yeah, and then keep moving forward. Yeah, further up, further in. Love it. Love it. That's good stuff. So I hope you guys are all enjoying this conversation. I'm enjoying these conversations. They're helping me, especially as I go back and I'm reading more and I'm looking for more, and it's it's a wonderful cycle. And if you are encouraged at all, we would recommend our Nine Rings coffee. Um, and also, if you like the Nine Rings coffee, we also have a shirt that says, for those who above all else desire coffee, and it's in the shape of like, it, we tried to make it look like the one ring, right? Like it's in a circle mm-hmm. that's kind of got the fancy writing. So it's a fun shirt. Uh, so that's on, on the website as well. Jump on there, grab a shirt, grab a, some coffee, roast it fresh for you. Have some great conversations over Really good books, man. Real, mm-hmm. it's, it's worth doing. Got anything else on your brain, man? Uh, yeah, a, a few things, but they'll hold. They'll good hold for a week. Deal. That works. <laughs> All right. With that, everybody, we'll say adieu.